Um, all right, I'm starting here. I never have issues with this app, so I'm not sure what's happening here, but we are recording now again. So, all right, I'm going to start that intro over again. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today that I'm really excited to get into uh, more than I am for a lot of these things. But we've got Jim Chester in the podcast today. He's the head coach at Gardner-Webb University, a Division One school in Boiling Springs, North Carolina in the Big South Conference. I've known Coach Chester for several years and, and very, very excited to catch up with him here and, uh, and get into some things that I think you'll find very, very valuable. Let me give you a quick background on Coach Chester before we jump into questions. He He's a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania native, which I always appreciate talking to a Western Pennsylvania guy. He graduated from Teal College in 2003, a Division III school in Greenville, Pennsylvania, where he was a four-year letter winner and got his degree in psychology, which I'm sure uh, doesn't hurt when you're in the coaching world and and you're a psychologist about every day to your players. Uh, He started his coaching career in 2004 and 5 as an assistant coach at Seton Hill University, an NAIA school in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. 2006 and 7, he got his first head coaching job where he was the head coach at Mercyhurst Northeast College, a junior college in Northeast Pennsylvania. In 2008 through 14, he got a head coaching job at Penn State Greater Allegheny, a Division III program in the USCAA, and that is located in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. While he was at Penn State Greater Allegheny, he also served as athletic director. He had a career record there of 239 and 84. Pretty incredible record. He made The team made six USCAA World Series appearances in his tenure. He left as the winningest coach in school history. Three times he was named Conference Coach of the Year. And in 2011, he was named the Chuck Tanner Collegiate Manager of the Year. 2015 through 17, he took a new venture as the head coach at Lock Haven University, a Division II program in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. He turned that team around from being 13 and 28 to being 32 and 18 in his last season, when the team also had a 10th round draft pick and, a, and five All Conference players. 2018 and 19, he was hired to be the head coach at Barton College, a Division II school in Wilson, North Carolina. And then 2019, he was named as the Conference Coach of the Year. He led the team to the biggest turnaround nationally in Division II, NCAA Division II baseball. The team finished 31-20 and in his last year at Barton. They had five all-conference players. Uh, he was named the Conference Coach of the Year in 2019. Then in June 2019, he was hired at Gardner-Webb. 2020 was his first season as the head coach for a spring season. Even though it was a truncated season, the team finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Not a bad start, and they, they had some nice wins to begin the 2020 season. But a guy that's had a, a really good career to this point, has turned several programs around, has a track record of winning, which I always like to have on the program. Coach Chester, sincerely appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Nah, thank you, Jeff. I'm fired up to be here and uh, fired up to uh, catch up with you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I, I like to usually start with something from the bio that stands out. And to me, there are several things. You were a, a, a 
college head coach very early in your career, which is always interesting to me. But the amount of success you had jumps out even more than that. Sometimes for me in my college coaching career, I, I can imagine myself as a 25-year-old head coach. You know, I, I just it's hard for me to believe that I would have had my stuff together enough uh, to have much success or to really know what in the world I was doing. But you took over a junior college program just two years uh, with two years as an assistant coach. Uh, you, you got a head coach, head coaching job, and then after that you took over a four-year program just two years later and had a tremendous amount of success there. Early on in your coaching career, Coach Chester, what was it if you had to go back, and I'm sure you've done this, and kind of rehash what happened in those places and, and how you did, how exactly were you able to have success early on there as such a young head coach with only a couple years of collegiate assistant experience? Well, you know, I think going through the process, it, you know, it's not something you, you're really focused on. Um, I mean, always the end goal was, you know, success. And I guess everybody can define that in different ways. I mean, uh, wins and losses, you know, um, academics, um, you know, players moving on, whatever. It might, there's a lot of different ways. It felt like a lot of that was, you know, achieved. But when I, when I, now that I look back, um, and, uh, and, and really look at some things. And these are things that, that I believe and that I try to share with our staff on a daily basis is like, don't, don't, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Um, you know, I made plenty of them, plenty of them. And I do feel, um, you know, I, I've always, uh, been a hands on learner. Um, you know, I can't say I just sat and read a book about how to be a head coach. It just kind of jumped into it full steam. Uh, screwed a lot up and then kind of learned from my mistakes and then tried to share those experiences with the people that were around me um kind of on a daily basis so you know i, I feel that that's that's why you know i i believe like everything i, I try to jump in head first and uh not afraid to try things not afraid to you know what i mean make a make a mistake and learn from it and move on and, and grow and um just every day just trying to get better was there a plan in place necessarily to when you became a head coach? Uh, because you know a lot of a lot of guys just want to they want to move up the assistant coaching ranks and and get to higher levels and things like that. When you took your first head coaching job, did you have anybody in particular that gave you some advice or kind of uh, nudged you to say like, "Hey, that, I think that'd be a good opportunity for you"? Or is that was that just something that uh, was the best opportunity available to you? Just curious why you decided to uh, to become a head coach at, at such a young age when you probably had other opportunities as an assistant I, I yeah you know what i let me let me I, i've said this from the beginning um when i was you know when i was named head coach here at gardner webb you know i i got into this my goal was not to be a division one baseball coach it was not you know i i when you're on the road a lot you talk to a lot of people and do a lot of things um you know it, it's told you know you're you're told that you know you know you're trying to get you're trying to you know catch that golden goose you know and that's like get to division one get to division one i i was a division three baseball player and and, I, and i'm proud of that and i had a great great experience and i kind of enjoyed that level and i, and I kind of felt like maybe i was you know suited to coach that level you know what i mean um and so i was you know when I got to the four-year level, I thought I kind of made it, you know, so it wasn't, you know, I, I, I kind of was going to, that was my goal was never kind of looking to move to division two, move to division one, whatever it might be. It just, it worked out that way. Um, 
from a lot of different a lot of different reasons. So I I, I just you know I. I enjoy the process um, and I enjoy the program. So, like, I, I, I think that's why I kind of wanted to be a head coach. I mean, I enjoy all the facets. Um, and I, you know this as well as I do that if throwing fungo or I'm hitting fungo and throwing BP, and, um, you know, the, that's the fun part. You know what I mean? The, the other piece is not the easiest. And I do enjoy that process. I enjoy fundraising. I enjoy, um, you know, it's finding out ways to make the program better. I enjoy the organizational piece. I enjoy the communication piece. Um, so I think that that's why, you know, I, I wanted to be a head coach. And obviously it's, it's worked out pretty well. All your years at Penn State, Greater Allegheny, you wore several other hats. You wore several hats at, at pretty much every job that you had, whether it was as athletic director or um, – uh, I know you had a couple other couple other positions when you were at Seton Hill and Mercyhurst Northeast. Was that part of the appeal of Lock Haven at the time? Was not having to wear multiple hats and just be able to uh, to focus on on baseball, or was it just time for a new opportunity and, and a new a new challenge for you there because of all the success you had at, at Penn State, uh, Greater Allegheny? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, so we had a great run at Penn State Greater Allegheny. I'm ne- and I'll never, ever, ever forget those kids. Um, I'll never forget that time. Um, seven years that I was there, it was awesome. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, you know, I, I love, I love telling the stories, um, especially our staff and some of our players sometimes about, you know, we practiced in a parking lot and, you know, right now I'm in my office. I can see a picture of that parking lot. We painted bases on it. Um, you know, and I used to stand in a, um, in somebody's yard to hit balls to the outfielders um, across the street from the parking lot. So, I mean, I, we all coaches have those type of stories. Um, and I, you know, that's, that was, that's part of me. Um, all that is. And I, I truly, 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 truly value that experience. And um, I think a lot of coaches get to the point where, you know, I thought I was going to retire from Penn State greater Allegheny, but boy, that, boy, that was wrong. Um, but it's a, uh, you know, it was one of those where like, you know, I just, we, and this is a credit to the co- other coaches and players. I mean, I felt like we kind of got as good as we could be. Um, and, you know, when I saw an opportunity like Lockhaven where, um, you know, they were uh, just finished and last in the P- the PSAC East and just, you know, had an opportunity to maybe make an impact and do this. I, I said, you know what? I was always up for a challenge. And I was like, well, you know, I, I kind of I figured out a little bit how to do it at this level. Um let me see if I could maybe do it at the next level. You know, let's try let's try that in arguably one of the best Division Two conferences in the country. So just the challenge and the opportunity was, was probably what, you know, at that time in my career was like, let, let's let's try this, you know what I mean? And then you had an opportunity to go south. Yep. Was the opportunity at Barton what was attractive to you about that move from Lockhaven? Because at Lockhaven you started to get some things moving the team was definitely going in the right direction uh you had some pretty good players in there and and had some success you had a 10th round draft pick which is nothing to sneeze at at any level but particularly at you know at, at division two and um uh, a northern division two even though i mean that the that conference has a lot of has a lot of pretty good draft picks out of there but i mean at that time you were you, you had in a very short time gotten the team to be very competitive in a very very competitive conference um what prompted the move or, or even an application to to Barton when that job opened. Well, this is 
is what I can say I say about that. So, like, you know, my uh, my wife was originally, well, not born in North Carolina, but spent a lot of time. And, you know, and um, I, you know, there's nothing like getting a field ready with two inches of snow on it. I think we've all been there. <laughs> but, 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 but the attraction of the, um, the climate um, and then the opportunity, you know, it was something family-wise where we were, like, t- taking a look. And when that opportunity um, – you know, arose, it was like, you know, love was another opportunity to maybe, um, you know, you know, not that, you know, Barton had a, uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty good history. It wasn't like, it wasn't a deal where they were, you know, a terrible program and resurrected all those type of deals. Um, but, you know, and, 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 you know, Lock Haven is an outstanding institution and, and, and the program is so special to me, but, um, there, there is, there is hurdles. Um, and they were, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we felt like we closed the gap on the, um, the Westchesters, the Millersvilles, the Shippensburgs of the world. Um, but it, it, it took, it would take, it would take, a um, it takes some more work to, to kind of to do what we needed to do to get over the hump there. And that might not have been in the cards moving forward. So, you know, I was looking for an opportunity where, you know, a little bit more scholarship to work with, a little more, you know, you know, the climate was going to be better and, so I just felt at that time that was the right move. Um, you know, I wouldn't tell you that that first year at Barton, there wasn't times where I was <laughs> thinking twice we went 12 and 36. So, you know, I appreciate all the nice things you said about, you know, some of the stops I made in my career. But that's the one that uh, if I learned the most about myself and about coaching, that 12 and 36 year was, was definitely one of them. <laughs> I had one of those years once, and uh, <laughs> I can't – can't say it was a lot of fun, but boy, it's a it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun work. The fun to me uh, with that team, I coached a, my first year at Moorhead State. We were sixteen and forty, and uh, boy, was that miserable. But the fun part was putting together something that you thought was really going to work in the future and trying to sell people on your vision. Uh, you know, trying to sell players on your vision. And I remember walking down into the athletic director's office. My second year, I was—I don't know—I was down there for something else, talking to somebody from compliance or whatever, and and the AD started talking to me for a few minutes. This is after our first. This is probably our second fall at Moorhead State, and I I told him that we were going to set the school record for wins that year, and uh, and he said, "What is the school record?" And it was something like thirty or thirty-two. It wasn't very high, and I said, "We're going to get it. We're going to get it this year." And and just having like that was the fun part to me, just feeling like we really we built something here. We really have a shot to be pretty good, and, and kind of. Uh, getting other people on board and getting other people excited about the program. And uh, we didn't get the school record for wins that year, but we got it the following year and um, went to a regional for the first time since 1984 in my, in the, in the third year since that, since, since uh, the staff that I was with took over at Moorhead state. So like that was the fun part to me. Now for you, coach Chester, you at, at all these programs, and I'm sure it's not a lot different now, but you're, you're taking over a program that it, it, at Lock Haven, at Barton and at Gardner Webb, taking over programs who, who, you know, probably Gardner Webb the least of the three, but but have a lot of room to grow. What are you selling to players? We'll start with players. What are you selling to players at, at these places? Like, what has been the consistent message for you over the years that like this is the this is the recipe for success. This is what we're going to do to win, and this is why you want to be a part of this program going forward. Can you just talk a little bit about what the message is to recruits? Because that's where it all starts. It, you can't uh, you can't turn a program around without getting a different caliber of athlete in there. So, what is the story that you're selling to these players? Well, 
Well, I think I think the biggest piece is I, I never sell, um, you know, like uh, I, I do believe I'm a visionary. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I'm going to talk about the program. We're going we're to talk about where, where the growth is going to be. Uh, not one of those guys is like promising we're going to get brand new this, that or the other thing. I, I, you know, until there's ground broken, I never I never do that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, you know, hey, listen, you know, we, we if you're looking for somewhere, where you're gonna you're gonna work and, and, and you're, you're we're gonna be very blue collar and you're gonna get a coaching staff that has a lot of energy and is gonna bring it every day and is gonna push you to be the best you can be. This can be a great place for you. Um, we can tell you that you know we're gonna our our goal every day is for you as a player to have an outstanding experience. I don't sell you know you're gonna we're going to Omaha we're gonna win this we're gonna win that. I just believe that if the process is done the right way, the wins take care of itself, and and that's that that's kind of where we, what we really sell when we're we're meeting with 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 players, parents, um, and, and just you know, listen, you're gonna have a great experience, and this is why, you know, this is how we're gonna go about things. This is how this is how we do it. We spend a lot of time at what we do. You know, we're gonna develop you as a player, um, and we love you and we care about you. Um, and that's that's the important part. And, and we're going to give you tough love. We're going to tell you when things aren't right. We're going to tell you when things are, you know what I mean? All that type of stuff. So that's really important, too, um, to understand that, like, that there, there's going to be a, um, you know, it's not going to be a perfect road. It's going to be a rocky one. But we know when you come out at the end of it. You're going to be a better man. You're going to be a better person. Um, you're going to be a better player. You know what I mean? And, and, and on that way. Us as coaches are going to become better people and better coaches, and you know, and, and the program is going to grow as a whole. When you're selling that, as opposed to selling, hey, you come here and and you're going to be a part of a great turnaround, and, and we're going to go to the World Series. You're, you're not selling that. You're selling just the type of program that you're going to have, and and kind of like what the day to day is going to be like, and and. Um, if that sounds right for you, then we'd love to have you here. How does that result in in turning a program around so quickly? Yeah, I just that's the whole, you know everybody talks about culture, you know what I mean, and that's like I, I, I do we do talk about culture, but I a culture is created through through how the process um, is carried out. Um, you know, we're again. Uh, try to really impress upon our guys and our staff and us as a whole, you know, attention to detail, um, you know, um, making sure that, you know, we're, we're the guy next to us is more important than ourselves. And it's a constant, you know, message and a constant push to just to do those things. I, I listen, I'm just as enamored with winning as I was 15 years ago. Um, I probably put way more stock into winning 15 years ago. And it was like, Every every game was life or death, and you know, and, and you carried out the frustrations maybe in other areas. I, I I care about it more than anything. Trust me, winning, winning. But I don't like I put more more focus on like the program development, um, the, the growth as a whole than I have been about just figuring out how to win games. If that makes sense, and and I think once you know, I kind of. You know, in so many ways, it was more about my second year at Lockhaven. I can remember vividly where I kind of started making that transition, and and, it, and it's paid dividends. Um, you know, in, in in the change of programs and doing some different things. So, it's a um, you know, I just 
we all, as young coaches, get caught up in, in so much in the wins and losses, and you lose kind of the piece of, you know what I mean, some of the, 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 the important pieces of growing the full player, growing the program, um, you know, for you know, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, we're the only ones that know what's going on inside the program. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, that, that, that don't know. And I think hopefully when we take the field this spring, we're going to be able to show a little bit of the growth that's went on um, here over the last year. And just to talk a little more about getting the right kids in the program, do you believe that just by being very honest in the recruiting process and just saying, like, this is what it's going to be like, not promising you wins, not promising you playing time, obviously, but if you want to go somewhere where you're going to work and you, and you don't and you like to work and you want to go somewhere where – your coaches are going to be fully invested every day and are going to push you to be the best person you can be. Like, if you want that program, this is it. And do you believe that, I mean, has it been your experience that just by basically selling that vision, as opposed to a vision of where we're going to be at the end of the year, but a vision of, like, the day-to-day, and if this sounds like something you want to be a part of, this is it. Do you believe that just by doing that, that that weeds out the wrong players and lets the right players say yes, even though the right players... You know, you want winners, but is that sort of the? Do you believe that you're almost selling something that appeals to the to the makeup of a guy that will be a winner and can make your team into winners by by selling this vision that you have of kind of like the day to day stuff? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it is that we do this longer and longer. I think there's two things. I mean, I think we can get a great feel for the the player on the visit, um, and then obviously if you see them play in a game, you can get a pretty good feel on that stuff. Um, which has been very obviously very difficult here um, over the last year, but it's you know it's a piece where you know I, and again I, I, the other piece that I've enjoyed about my my career is is the relationships that I've been able to build all over baseball from you know what I mean the the youth level to the major to the major league baseball and and, and you really find the more relationships you make you find the people that you know and you trust and look I. <laughs> get a phone call from somebody I know and I really trust and you know hey is this kid the right kid for me like you know our program and and if they give me the blessing it's almost a no-brainer for me because the more you do this the more people know what, what, what you're trying to do in, 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 in the program and, and you're able to get that feeling of like of, of the, having the right the right player but you know we spend a, we spend a good bit of time vetting the process I mean I'm mean, if we're gonna you know what's important is you know, if a player commits here, and in reality says and it shows that I'm going to spend more time with that player than I do my own children, and 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 and, and that's that's a blessing for me. There's no doubt about it. Where you know we we're, we have a chance to impact lives, but if that's going to happen, there's got to be a great relationship. There's got to be the right makeup. There's got to be the right approach to every. You know, and so. That, that that's important. It's really, really important. So you know, we make sure we vet the process and, we, and we, we, we get the right kid. What about as far as assistant coaches go? Um, I've been impressed with the guys that you've brought in, and I know you recently, well, I don't know how recent, but somewhat recently had a had a, a coaching change on the staff. And, and just it seems like everybody you hire, like you've got some really good coaches there. And Gardner-Webb, you know, it's a it's a beautiful campus. It's it's not you know the biggest campus. Um, there are some things to sell, but it's not like you've got uh, 
a, a big time program there in, a, in an unbelievable campus in a you know in a big time city or anything like that. There, uh, obviously, you're doing something right to attract these coaches that you've been getting. How have you done that? Like, what what message are you putting out there, or or even like getting the right applicants to find these coaches who can be really impactful to you, to the team right away? Is, is there anything, any sort of um, secret formula that you've got there where you're getting these guys to uh, to to apply? Because a lot of times, well, in, I'm I'm assuming in most cases you didn't know these coaches prior, or at least at least some of them. It's not like you they're guys that you coached in the past or anything like that uh but you've gotten some really good coaches in there what's been your process to make that happen well i mean that's again that's just that's relationship stuff and being able to get some referrals and some different things i mean if i there is a connection for the most part with about every guy on our staff and um in, in some capacity um you know as i get out like book you know our pitching coach we we retained here connor scarborough who did has done a great job and you know he had a familiarity with the campus and like i said i had that same experience with coach uh, Heath Stover, uh, you know, Little Smoke, who stayed on staff with me at Lock Haven, was was the best decision that that, that I ever made. Um, you know, and I had the good, same experience that's going on here with within that. And then Anthony Marks, who was one of the heroes on that Coastal Carolina championship team in '16, um, I recruited him out of high school. Um, a Pittsburgh kid, and I saw him run around the fields for 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 a while. And um, I, uh, you know, I had a little bit of a prior relationship with him, and um, so that was a great fit there. And you know, Jake Marinelli's our volunteer. He was the head coach at Mercyhurst Northeast, and just the connection with that program, and, and he played at Mercyhurst, and the relationship with that staff, I was able to, you know, that there was just that end of things where I, you know, it was a good fit um, as far as that goes. And then RGDA's, um, you know, Evan McFarland played for me at Lock Haven, and um, I, 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 if we had, if we had a uh, 30 of them running around you got you got a pretty good shot at winning a lot of baseball games so that's why he was a perfect fit the coach here um and then parker lynn was with um you know i knew him out of high school and then and, and, um you know i remember i remembered him on that end and he's aggressively chasing the coaching um profession and new good fit and then jimmy kane's just joined us and he's a millersville uh, guy so you know if you're playing in millersville and playing for john sheehan you know what the heck's going on. So, um, you know, we're able to get a good fit there. But, um, I, you know, it's just, again, it's relationships, networking, um, and, you know, all these guys either personally or tied to someone that I feel pretty good about. So, like, I get the blessing, you know, I get a blessing from someone that I'm close to that says, like, you know, that this is the right fit. And, and, and it's kind of like, again, it's it's just doing your homework and, and really vetting the process and, 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 and having – you know, a little bit of an understanding of what intangibles are needed to be successful on that end. So that's that's kind of how we went. We've gone about it. As you've progressed as a coach, and uh, and and you've just you've grown, you've matured as you've gotten older and kind of moved up. You talked a little bit just about how it used to be kind of all about wins, and now wins is still an important part of it, but it's not everything. How do you define success now? As a coach, you know, at the end of the year, when when you, I'm sure that you do a good bit of looking in the mirror, as well as I, I'm, I'm assuming you talk with, you know, your athletic director just to, from year to year, and uh, you know, when you talk with your assistant coaches and, and kind of give them direction, what does success mean to you in a program now? Like, what are all the components of a successful Division One college baseball program? Well. Uh, we, 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 we go ahead and our program is, is, um, surrounded by three words, um, selfless, 
um, relentless and uh, blue collar. And so everything that we do is, is kind of formulated around those words. So again, if we're selfless, you know, we, we're, we're doing an excellent job in the community, um, you know, and we, we, we try to do as much community service as we can. Um, and, and we're, 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 you know, we're going out and when, you know, when I'm in the community and, and somebody says to me, like, you got a great group of young men, it's awesome. We travel on the road and I get something back from someone, um, you know, whether it be um, the hotel general manager or somebody working at the front desk or someone who's preparing the breakfast um, that says, you know, listen, you have a very, 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 very respectful group of young men. To me, that's success. That's success. And, and, and that's important. Um, you know, in all facets that we go through, um, you know, relentless, um, big, big proponent on the way we practice, the way we approach things, um, how we look, um, you know, how we attack things. What is our mindset? You know, if we're getting, if we're getting, you know, compliments at the end of the day that like, wow, you could tell that your group really practices well. They, they put time in it. They do what they need to do. Um, to me, that's success. Um, you know, you know, you know, never giving up, fighting to the end, and those type of things. They're relentless. That's important to me. Um, and in in that some end of being blue collars developed. Um, you know, I, I'm just really big proponent of our young men understanding for them to be successful. Um, they got to put some time. They got to put time into it. Like I explain to them all the time. Like if you want to, you want to get good grades. I mean, I know there's a select guys that come out and they can just get four O's. I mean, that wasn't me, but that was definitely, um, you know, Hey, you're only going to get out of what you put into it. So listen, you want to be a good hitter. Like, you got to put a little time into it. You want to be a you want to be a good you know you want to be a good infielder. You've got to put a lot of time into it. You know, there's a lot of pieces as far as that goes. Um, so you know, I, I use the adage all the time. You know, my, my daughter plays basketball, and like you know, I want her to be good. Well, I've got to practice with her. Like she's just not going to be good. So having that blue collar mentality and, and, and having an understanding that you know you're only going to be as good as the time you put into it, and that's with everything you do everything you do in life so if you notice there i'm not talking about winning games and, and I, this is kind of like the the, the 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 path i've went down here over the last you know five six seven years just taking care of those three pillars selfless relentless and blue collar the wins follow it will they're 100 will so that's that's what's important what are conversations that you have with your guys your players day to day week to week to to keep them focused and to keep them buying into this process because i i know i was 19 once you know and i, and I was 22 once and and some of those things just don't come very naturally even though i feel like i came from a, a a really good family my parents were amazing still are amazing people uh but you know being 19 to 20 years old and being selfless is really difficult you know being 19 20 years old and being relentless when there are times when you just it's hard. It gets really hard and you get tired and you have, you know, you've got to go to practice and you know that after you go get home from practice, you've got to study for several hours, probably until you fall asleep at your desk for, for this test that you have, or, or you've got to go home and write a long paper or you have a midterm or whatever it is. It's not easy to do those things, which is why not a lot of, not a lot of programs out there have sustained success. It's just not easy to do. What are conversations that you have with players coach just again day to day week to week as as individuals or as a whole team to to keep them focused and to keep them buying in and believing that this is the right path for all of you and for all of us collectively 
be brutally honest with you, like, you know, if there's any coach out there that says they don't get frustrated on a daily basis, that, I mean, they're just, you know, maybe they're not going to work. I don't know. <laughs> it's a <laughs> going process. Um, you know, you know, it's hard to realize, you know, you've got young men that are, um, you know, they're 19, they're 20, they're 21, they're 22. It's just, they're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I just, I'm sure if you talk to my college coach, he could, he could put a podcast together of all the mistakes I made in college. And I probably wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, to, you know, be around on a daily basis, but it's, it's, it's something where you just got to have patience. You got to stick with the process and you don't really reap a lot of benefits from it until, you know, three or four years down the road and, and, and somebody's getting engaged or they, they, they have a milestone in their personal life, you know what I mean? Whatever it might be, it's um that's where things get to be, you know, you, you feel you can get some of the satisfaction of what you're trying to do during the time. We rely on a daily basis on instant gratification, right? So we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got the internet we've got everything uh, unfortunately with coaching there is not instant gratification it's not there um and it takes a while to understand that and learn that and, and, and believe in it but you know you don't feel the benefits of a lot of things that you do and decisions you make until maybe down the road you know it's it's like as i'm planning practice today and you know putting we got to do some first and thirds today i already know what's coming right coach it's going to be you know we're going to throw the ball in the center field we're going to do this we're going to do that i'm not worried about doing it well today i'm worried about doing it well on february 19th and that's the part you got to kind of really work with in regards to coaching so that's uh I, I i believe in that piece and i just you know as we work and we make decisions and we do what we need to do we just got to have patience to understand that the process will provide outcome. Really good stuff. I want to ask you one last quick question. It should be a quick sure. one for you, but and then I know you got to go. When when you retire, Coach Chester, just say that you spend the rest of your career at Gardner Webb, mm-hmm. and and you retire from coaching. What do you hope that people will say about you? You know, when you leave and there's a press conference or whatever, or just people that come after you will say, "Hey, that Jim Chester, I knew that guy." What do you want people to say about you when you're finished? Well, it's funny because, you know, my college coach used to ask that all the time. Like, what do people want to know as you as a player? And I mean, I, and it might not be, I wasn't a very good player, but I, but I know I showed up every day and I uh, stuck my nose to the ground and, and I, and I, I did what I needed to do. I, I hope, I hope when people, I hope when I get done with this, whenever the, the, the good Lord tells me that it's time to hang it up, that, 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 that to say that Jim Chester cared about his players. He was invested at a high level um, in their development on and off the field. And, man, that guy worked. That guy put a lot of time into what he did. And um, I I then, I, I would, you know, I'd be able to, you know, I would feel good about that if, that's, if that was the perception of me when I got done with this. Awesome stuff. This is Jim Chester, everybody. He's the head coach at Gardner Webb University. 2021 will be his first chance to have a full spring. Looking forward to seeing what happens down there with him. And, and Coach, I just want to thank you for being on this podcast today. I would certainly love to have you back. There's a lot of things, a lot of things we didn't get to talk about that I think that would be really valuable. But this time was tremendous. Everything we, we got from you today was really, really enjoyable. So thank you again for taking your time, your very valuable time as you're approaching the spring season uh, to be on this podcast today. No problem, Jeff. Appreciate it.